Hugh. Hello. Hello, you're right. I'm good, thanks, yes, as the kids say. Are we going to uh, hear the doorbell? Nope, some plug. Definitely. For now. Comment? You realise this is For a now, yeah. this is an audio medium. Nodding is not uh, <laughs> suitable. Oh yes, sorry. Yes, uh, yes, it is unplugged. Just yes. because we're um, just because we're all looking at each other on the Zoom, we are zooming. Um, the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> is that my dad? The Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> My mate's dad always used to call the famous band fronted by Freddie Mercury, The Queen. The Queen. Yeah. The legendary The Queen. <laughs> Shall we uh, move on? Get Let's started. do it. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Well done. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 98 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook like many people already have. What I was about to say before I forgot that we were about to introduce ourselves was that well done. We did it all together at that point today. Yay! That was a first. Um, In a jam-packed episode, uh, because when aren't they, uh, we've got a view of some of the week's headlines, speed cameras, food waste, and the big question, is Reading beautiful? Uh, we're also chatting to Pete Wheeler later on about Ready Pop's virtual festival, which took place last weekend. Uh, we'll talk to him about how it went, whether there might be more virtual events to come. Um, I'm not going to spoil that answer. Uh, he also spoke about a few of the acts, but especially, uh, I, don't know if you, did, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, this chap, um, the human beatbox extraordinaire known as Beardy Man. Um, he created some songs on the night using looping technology. Does it? He's, he's really good. I did catch a little bit of it. But one of the songs, um, that he created songs on the night um, and using sort of local suggestions from viewers of the of the, of the, Facebook, of the, of the broadcast that they were doing um, and including one about uh, fresh donuts, which uh, should mean something nice. to everyone. Um, oh, I've been really craving a donut this hot week. Hot donuts, nice and fresh. Yeah. Do you remember that? Stored in Broad Street. That's the one exactly. They just had it, had it playing on a loop. Hot donuts, come and get your donuts. <laughs> How can you just work there and not be the size of a house? I don't. Know. I know, I know. Well, I think you'd get sick of donuts, wouldn't you, after a little while? I remember well. seeing um, talking about that beardy man and yeah. the looping. I remember seeing a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember if it was Glastonbury or something. Um, but Ed Sheeran, who I'm neither a big fan nor not a fan of, um, doing looping on one of his tracks. Yeah. 
and people were really critical of it and were saying that it was like cheating but i thought it was really clever that how he layered up all the vocals and the yeah they, they, do, they do it with their feet don't they they tend to do it with their feet they've got like a thing on the floor mm. and, and they do all that i think is absolutely amazing i think it's incredibly yeah. clever um, oh, I but, did you know, too. But what do we know? Were quite critical at the time, but I was impressed. What do we know, eh? What, what do, do I know? <laughs> I know what, what you, I like. <laughs> what do you know about music, Rach? Nothing much. <laughs> <laughs> All the words are like living on a prayer. <laughs> yeah, true. Whoa. Most of the power ballads. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so that's what's on this week's show. Uh, we will get right stuck into it in just a moment after we've heard from our mate, Jeremy. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, get in touch please do you know we we're always looking for outside feedback um we don't get enough feedback we haven't got a post bag i don't what i don't know we don't get no one gets letters anymore do they Um, like the broom cupboard yes exactly you want to be like andy peters and get your yes get your post bag every week (laughs) at one point when at one point during lockdown on on some of these zooms and some of the hangouts we used to do when hugh's hair was getting slightly long he did sort of resemble gordon the gopher slightly in that he was completely (laughs) covered in fur I have a great regret. My one of my lockdown regrets was bottling it and getting my hair cut a few weeks ago. I, I should have, um, I should have been, been braver and just seen it through and see what it would be like now. It I would did. have been big. Yes, yes, it would. It would have been we guarantee it would. Have I think been I look big. quite a lot like Brian May uh, on the subject of the Queen. Well, yeah. well, you can come and join me then. <laughs> <laughs> I am Compare quite Brian May-esque. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did grow a moustache for a little while. It was. It was. Did you? Oh yes. I didn't right. know you could even do that. Oh yeah. No. That, that all I can do is grow it round. Round. All I can do is grow facial hair around my mouth. But I did it's grow a. a uh, yeah. Exactly. But I did grow a moustache. But I kept just twiddling it, and it was getting annoying. Oh, you had the little like curly. Oh no, no, no! I didn't. I wasn't. Like I, I, I wasn't that brave. I just had a had like, like a, a dad tash. Rich does that. It, it winds me up a bit. <laughs> what the twirly bits? The twirly bits, yeah. and also when things get like food gets stuck in Ooh. it, like, like Mr. Twit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, I'd forgotten about the twits. Oh dear. Yeah. Milkshakes um, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, milk. Milk is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> later in the day, as it starts to curdle. <laughs> Um, so the, you're supposed to stick up for him and just say it's like the cost of being so madly and having this big beard. I've met cool. Rich. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, cool. So, Rach, you have a book. You have a new book. It's not written by you, but you have a new book. Um, oh, no, I've not bought a book out. Can you tell, us, tell us about it, would you? I know. It's that whole Zoom thing. Oh, I've got again. that yes. book. Have you? Yes. It's, well, I'm not surprised. It's called Explorers Walks Around Sonning Common, so I'm not surprised you also have a copy. I have, yes. Um, my dad bought it for me because, well, we, we do quite a lot of walking anyway, yeah. but during lockdown, in the absence of being able to do very much else, um, we have done quite, quite a few walks and tried to branch out into new places, um, which 
I'm not very good at that because I like to, <laughs> I like to go to places where I know where I'm not going to get lost. Yeah. So this book's quite good because um, it's been written by a couple of local ladies in the village um, who I think are quite involved in the active leaders group. Is that right? I'm asking Hugh. I'm assuming he knows, being a local. I don't know who they are, but I know what active leaders is. They do these out, outdoor workouts. Um, they did one across the road from our shop the other day. Oh, did they? Yeah. Ah, okay. But it's a really good book because it has like a little map in there. Um, and then the, the route described in bullet points for you to follow. And then it also has um, like activity packs in there for for the kids to do as you go round the, the, the route. Um some of them are just quite local in the village and are, are quite simple. But there's, we did one uh, a couple of weekends ago in Kingwood Common, which is sort of more out to walk between kind of Peppard and Stoke Row. That was really nice. Some absolutely ridiculously massive houses. So obviously I came home and got straight on right move and then had a heart attack and came off of right move <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah no it was really nice um so I, I mean if people particularly fa for families um because they're all sort of quite kid friendly it's a really good book to get hold of i'm not sure hugh where you can get it from in the village oh right okay um it's, yeah you know, it's not technically not technically Reading, but it's close enough to Reading, and there it's very there are lots of lovely walks around here. So um, I think yeah. I think it's a it's a wider point. There's a, there's a lot of lovely walks everywhere in, in around Reading. Really, that's you're never quite yeah. far. You're never too far from 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 a good walk. I mean, even even sort of in even Southcote here, you know, we're we're not far from the canal, which of course is it's not the greatest place to walk along when you're trying to trying to dis socially distance. But you know, there, there's you know, there's meadows and and out almost sort of just just across from anywhere is a is a there's a there's a nice walk just waiting uh, just waiting to be discovered. Um, oh, it's a lovely one Friday. Um over at Whitnam Clumps. Do you know Whitnam? No, not at all. No. Where's that? Um, so it's on the main road out uh, from Reading towards Oxford. Um, Hugh should know because he used to live out this way. Um, but as you go past Benson um, and then off to the left-hand side, there's t the ground's quite flat. It's um, sort of in a bit of a valley, really. And then in the middle of it, there's two big hills just popping up so we parked at dorchester which is a really pretty little village and then we walked across the fields and over the thames up an incredibly steep hill up the clumps and had a picnic on the top and oh. it was it's gorgeous <laughs> just um, yeah what was quite sad though although i don't know if i'm allowed to be sad about it is it kind of looks out across towards didcot and mm. Across, you can probably see, we reckoned you could see for about 10 miles probably. It was amazing. But um, since the power station's gone, the landscape looks a bit different. And I don't know if I'm a bit weird for being upset <laughs> that, the, that the cooling towers have gone because they were quite a landmark. Mm. You kind of knew where you were looking. 
Yeah. Just um, just to take you back to something you said there, Rach, about um, the massive houses. I think I think one of my favourite things to do when I'm when I do go walking. I don't don't, don't go walking a lot. I'd like to go more, but it, I just sometimes I'm just sat down for a long time. I should go for a walk, but I'd rather just sit. Um, is looking at some of these old massive houses that just oh, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're absolutely everywhere. Um, the bath bath road from sort of Southcote down to um, down to Castle Hill is absolutely strewn with gigantic old houses. That are, they're obviously all flats now, but um, you know, you just you look at them, and then they're, 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 it's one of my favourite things to do is just to to walk around looking at. I said, no, I wouldn't say it's not a favourite thing to do. It's just something I enjoy doing when I do go walking. Um, do you know the one down there coming into town on the left-hand side? There's one near the Dunedin that looks, it's really gothic with uh, turrets and it's quite dark um, stone. Do you know the one I mean? I will do, yes. I, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll, oh. know, it when I, I'll know it if I see it. Rich used to live in there, in one of the flats. Oh, I always think it looks a bit like a, I don't know, like a wizard's castle or something cool. Fantastic. <laughs> it's where sort of the red yeah, branch so of Hogwarts might be. Doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, perhaps he's not telling me something. Maybe he is a magician or <laughs> wizard. <laughs> you, you being a mere muggle is... Um... Well, that's a bit unfair, really, because is my it? birthday is Halloween. So, I mean, arguably, I do have witchy tendencies. <laughs> I mean, you are a bit cranky in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I can't, uh, can't deny that. <laughs> I think I, I might have mentioned this on, on here, but when we used to work together, when we used to sit opposite desks, you used to have a rule that I wasn't allowed to talk to you until 10am. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting distracted only, only because the cat is trying to join in. That's well, yeah, I'm... by 10, I probably would have had two coffees, so I would have been a bit more <laughs> communicative. Come on then, cat. Tom, how, Tom Canning, however, is full of full of beans. Very early, early doors. He he comes in at yeah, sort of eight o'clock. Morning. I'm just excited to see you, Hugh. And to be honest, if we ever get back to our office, I'm going to be even more excited to see you. This is true. Of course, when you come in at eight a.m., I've already been in for two hours as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's um, let's move on to the news. So we have a couple of headlines we want to look at. We are looking at specifically um, speed cameras, Hugh. There was a um, now. Uh, this isn't scientific data, is it, or anything like that? No, a, very much not. <laughs> it's a social response to a uh, to a post on the Berkshire Live Facebook page about uh, where you would like to see speed cameras, and I think. Um, as far as I can tell, having had a quick browse through it, people tend to fall into uh, into two categories. Those who think there definitely should be more speed cameras for safety, and those who think they're just for fundraising for the cops. Is that fair? Yes, very much so, yeah. But um, the other I've, thing I noticed was that if everybody had their way, everywhere would have speed cameras or uh, nowhere would have speed cameras. So Yeah, yeah. that's true. I'm pretty sure, because I, I, we did it on Facebook, I don't know... I don't know where the, the readers live, but I'm, I would guess that about 90% of the people who responded say that they need to be cameras within about a mile of their, their home. That as well. was, yes, the, co- the comments in the story that I read were, um, yeah, were, were certainly uh, of, of that description. And I, but I guess 
that is the thing, isn't it? Um, people who want a speed camera, it's because it's where they live. They see cars speeding up and down there all the time, and they're, you know, uh, it's naturally you need some some traffic calming measures, or you know, that that's the belief. But then, of course, I think it's probably mostly drivers who, or or, or regular drivers anyway, that would just see them as a perhaps a fundraising. And I, it got me wondering: Do you know if there's any sort of transparency with um, where this? these fines go where the money for those fines go was it just going to a big pot and disappears yeah it gets uh you know it it gets reinvested it doesn't just go into someone's pocket obviously it goes to the it goes to the uh to the government i thought to the police you pay it to thames valley police don't you yeah i think um so it probably gets re re reinvested in in something certainly if you get a bus bus fine and if you get caught in a bus lane in reading all the fines go into a pot which then get spent on um road improvements to the road system so mm. um it's not it's not it doesn't go anywhere else other than that so i guess speeding fines are probably the same it, it feels like with most of these things uh, that you know especially involving the council a, li- a little bit of sort of pr would would go would go a long way like um, so there's a speed camera and there's a couple of nasty potholes. And if, you know, uh, there was a, <laughs> for want of a better idea, a plaque that said these potholes were filled in by funds from that speed camera, people might be a little bit more understanding about it. I, d- I don't know. I mean, ultimately, speed cameras are there to slow people down in dangerous situations. Well, that's quite Absolutely. ironic because I was thinking on Facebook, I did I did read the comments and they were getting quite... Um, impassioned some <laughs> some people and um quite a few people were arguing that um like the council shouldn't be wasting money on speed cameras they should be spending it on fixing the roads and the potholes yeah you know, so it's a bit like speed. a chicken and egg isn't it <laughs> yeah. if you put the <laughs> put the cameras in get some funds fix the potholes yeah, and my, maybe my save own. some lives at the same time my understanding is there don't tend to be speed cameras in areas where there aren't and there haven't been serious serious accidents. The speed cameras eventually come as a consequence of yeah. problems with speeding and accidents and fa- fatal accidents as well. Um, I've, I've done numerous stories over the years with people asking, can we have a speed camera? And, the, and councils all around Berkshire, not just Reading, saying, nope, the data doesn't support the need for one because we haven't had enough severe kind of uh, kind of dark really we haven't yeah. had enough severe accidents on this bit of road to justify having a speed camera um, and then, then the people campaigning for the speed camera say well how long do we have to wait for you have to wait until someone gets killed to get a speed camera and that's another kind of full circle issue yeah um but there's Tom, you may have seen the uh there's one of the most pointless speed cameras you'll ever likely to see in, in your neck of the woods um in that it's the other side of the estate when you when you come in off Burfield Road. Um, there's one on the left hand side, and it's next to a traffic chicane and a um, and it yes. and there's parked cars on either side of the yes. road by it. And the idea that you could get anywhere near the speed limit going down that particular stretch of road is uh, is, is completely unlikely. I think obviously the speed camera was there first, and then they put in yeah. more traffic measures. But um, I can't imagine that one's ever that one is ever turned on because no, it wouldn't catch it wouldn't catch anyone. It was. It was. Um, it, it was just reminded me of uh, something. So w- when I did a speed awareness course a couple of years ago, um, it wasn't very much over. Oh, just a tiny, tiny little. Tsk, bit. Tsk, tsk. It was in Hull of all places. 
uh, I got caught in Hull when I was working there for a little while. And but one of the things they said was that part of the reason that there and that's Hughes already you've already alluded to this, but one of the reasons why there are speed cameras or lots of signage you know, in certain places is because there has been a large number of accidents in those areas. And that, that's why, you know, on country lanes, you'll have, you know, signs saying there are sharp bends and stuff like that coming up because, and you can end up sort of almost blinded by the signs almost at times because there are so many, but you know, that, that's why they're there. And it, that sort of, I'm just sort of nodded along and, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a, it's an interesting one, and I, I think um, I, I think there is there is generally a, a a problem with speed cameras in the fact that that people think that they are fundraisers, and but is that necessarily a bad thing if it slows people down? I mean, I don't know. Don't speed. Yeah, the yeah. speed the speed limits are there for a reason. If if speeding wasn't a problem, there wouldn't be any speed limits on any roads. Yes. Um, so, you know, like like we've said, there's a speed camera there because there's bad things have happened in the past, or Indeed. more often than not. Um, want to just move on? Um, we've got food waste on the agenda. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I must admit, ever since I've I've seen the these stories coming out about a food waste collection, I don't really understand. I, I mean, why food waste, not glass? collection or something like that I, food waste seems seems an odd one to me but perhaps, perhaps you, you can, can take your glass to a bottle bank true but there's can. not a food bank <laughs> well there is food banks but that's a different thing i, yeah, I think i need educating yeah. is what i'm saying because I, I you know you just put your food in the bin mm. yes but, I... but then it goes to landfill yeah and it's and but it the, could be used for for better things, couldn't it? Compost to make compost and. and... Like yeah. Do you know when it's coming, uh, Hugh? When am I going to get my bin? Because I am quite keen. It was supposed to be introduced very soon, um, ar around this time, but COVID put a, put a stop to that. Um, in terms of when it is actually coming, it's been delayed, but it is. So the trial is still coming. There's a trial due to start on October the 5th and the main rollout on February the 1st next year. Um, That's good. So it doesn't, there's nothing to say where it, where it's going in. Um, I think, and I guess just having, having read the story and done a little bit of research on it beforehand, my, my, it, it sort of says um, the idea is that it inc will increase recycling rates. And I guess, and and this is my this is my fault this is my bad uh, as as they say and I, I didn't really see food waste as a recycling thing i see the physical things of plastic and glass and cardboard as recycling and i guess i didn't really take into account that that food my nan used to recycle food waste all the time you know you you just stuff piling up and 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 that's what that's what happened i guess uh, part i think i think Glass to me would seem like a like an easy win, but I, I suppose there was also a thing in there about uh, reducing bin sizes, which I find interesting, considering most of the time after the two weeks our bin, our two hundred and forty liter bin is full. But they're talking about reducing the bin size to one hundred and forty liters, which was an interesting. Yeah, we talked well, about that being, before. We have. We? Yes. Yeah, the, log the logic being is that your bin bag would have no food in it, so and that yeah. a surprisingly high percentage of of bin bags is food waste yeah. and uh, if that goes into a separate bin and if you're doing your recycling as you should um, then the actual amount of rubbish generated 
So you've got no, you know, you've got no bottle, plastic bottles, you've got no tin cans, you've got, there's no food. So it's only like, you know, film lids and stuff like yeah. that going into landfill, all the stuff that can't be recycled. If you're diligent like me and take the film lids off and put them in the bin and put the other bit in the uh, recycling, um, it should be quite, quite a low amount. So you won't need a bigger bit. That's the logic anyway. If yeah. you're a family of six, um, I'm sure this logic is, uh, <laughs> is going to be tested. But um, I'm not sure how much food waste there is in a family of six. True. I don't know. Either, <laughs> either quite a lot. I, I was going on the fact that that having having four children, they'd all be eating all the time, and there'd be no food waste. But then again, um, I don't have a family of six, so I can't really I can't really relate to that one. I think general amounts of rubbish produced from making them food would be quite quite high. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. My they, argument. Say... My argument with that was: what if they're going to replace the wheelie bins with smaller wheelie bins that's tens of thousands of plastic wheelie bins <laughs> that are going into waste unless they can sell them on to, to somebody and then producing tens of thousands yeah, we, of new smaller wheelie bins made of plastic we, somebody asked about that where the briefing i went to and yes there are i can't remember what the plans are are off the top of my head but they're, they're not just chucking thousands of wheelie bins into a landfill they will be they they will go into some sort of recycling or I was going to or say, they will be put to use. You would presume wheelie bins are recyclable, but unless I go and look out the front door and check, I, I don't know. It'd be quite ironic if your yeah. recycling wheelie bin wasn't recyclable. Yeah. Yes, it would. Surely a council wouldn't be, uh, I dare I say, stupid enough to, to replace all its wheelie bins, all its wheelie bins, and then have thousands of wheelie bins kicking around and not know what to do with them or or to put them all in the landfill. Surely. Although they do turn up... these people some credit. They, they do get sold to other countries or other councils, don't they? I'm sure I've heard stories before of people being on holiday and then spotting a wheelie bin with Reading Borough Council written on the side of it or something. Possibly, yeah. That's very useful, though, isn't it? So. Yeah. But, uh, I, but that's I, I that's still, okay, that's recycling. I still have... I think, I think a question account. needs to be asked. Yes, I do. Yeah, I think so. Ask it now. Ask them now. My only concern with my food bin, because um, I used to, my mum and dad have got compost heap. So I used to have a little food bin that I'd put all my like vegetable peelings and stuff in. And then I went to my mum and dad's, then I would take it and empty it, wash it out, bring it back. But if I was only going there once a week, by the end of that week, it was kicking right up. <laughs> it's not very pleasant. No. So if no. you've got a bigger one out the front, and I don't know how frequently they're proposing to come and empty them, but would it pose any issues with maggots and flies and rats and all of the nastiness? Yeah. Who knows? That that's, yeah, that's I don't always know. the problem. I mean, they've got like these sort of special lids which you can sort of seal on them um but flies are wily creatures they can always get into the bin it seems <laughs> yeah so i would guess they would do it every week because no one's going to want to have two weeks of festering food in their kitchen yeah. well, um, i would not want to be on that refuse truck going around and <laughs> emptying those out though and then you would no, like true. nobody would have an objection to wearing a mask then yeah, would you don't they? want to be caught down wind no uh, true Let's uh, let's let's move on to um, the next bit, which um, 
just uh, just looking at the time um let's move on to the next bit um which is uh, hugh is reading beautiful is reading beautiful uh yes this is based on an article i did which is a very a tongue-in-cheek look at, li- at life in berkshire uh answering the things that people always moan about most of the <laughs> things that always moan about i couldn't find any argument to suggest that <laughs> Traffic's rubbish. The roads, yes. are, the roads around around Reading and Slough and places like that aren't constantly clogged with traffic. But um, it's yeah, it's a tongue-in-cheek place uh, piece um, examining how nice this part of the world is. Really, um, sort of we're using very photograph-led, so we're using a lot of our pictures we've taken over. The, past few years to illustrate the nicer parts of Berkshire. So I thought we'd talk today about whether Reading itself is a beautiful place or not. What do you think? Just off the top of your head. I think that the area, I think the river, we've got the river, obviously, which is aesthetically very pleasing. Um, and I think there's the town centre has its moat, has its areas. It has, its <laughs> it has its moments. <laughs> I think there's lots of really interesting architecture in the town centre, but um, perhaps parts of Broad Street and uh, Fire Street are not the most aesthetically pleasing. Unless you look to this towards the skies, and then you'll see a lot more interesting architecture than the, some of the shops and things like that suggest. Do you, do you have a part that you think's most beautiful? Um, Forbury Gardens. It's a very, very pleasing place. It's obviously, as we've discussed previously, um, well, it's now full of flowers. So I'm, I'm just work, actually working on a story about all the all the flowers that have been left there now. Um, after the uh, after the tragedy, um, so, but. Yeah, certainly, aesthetically, with that huge statue in the middle and the flowers and the lawns and all that sort of stuff on a summer's day, it's, it's a lovely place. Yeah. Um, I think all the so down through the abbey as well and down to the canal yeah. at the um, back of the library and stuff, all of that area is pretty. A great job has been done there to, to, to make that something quite quite special around there, really. Yeah. You know, there's some there's some scrubby there's a, there's a few scrubby rundown area, urban areas like where the where the um, old Wicks in Iceland was in, yeah. in Weldale Street that was, which has now been knocked down and being replaced with something that hopefully looks a bit nicer. Although when they gave that permission, they didn't like they didn't like its design at all. <laughs> they said it was, they said it was dull and boring. Um, that part of town's not very nice, and the area around. Um, the Forbury Retail Park, where they're building again, they're building all those houses across the road from the prison. Um, where home base? If you go, was. where home base was? Yeah, if you go a bit further down there, you get into um, you get into bit, again places that are a bit run down. But um, I can't think of anywhere really. You're meant to be talking ready. about the beautiful bits, <laughs> <laughs> not picking on people. <laughs> that area is a bit scabby. <laughs> Rach, do you have do you have a bit that you think is Sorry, most yeah. beautiful? Um, the river, obviously, which, being that it's very close to my house, um, we do spend a lot of time down there. 
um, Caversham Court Gardens. Mm. I mean, am I allowed to go out of the town centre a tiny bit? Oh, I think that's fair. North of the river. Um, but I do, like Hugh said before, sometimes, you know, if you're just walking down Broad Street and you've got your head down, uh, it is very high streety and concretey mm. and but then if you look up even some of the the shop fronts that are really kind of boring and modern if you look up they've got these incredible victorian yeah, um, buildings above mm. them and like um waterstones is just that's lush inside there that's like my yeah, look above um, shop look above pret-a-manger in um near the entrance to the or oracle in the end of um, broad street and uh that is in the most spectacular um building if you look at look above the shop it's got amazing uh frontage yeah i mean it's not it reading isn't like oxford or something no. there's lots of very beautiful college buildings and things but there are as far as town centres go I've seen lots worse <laughs> for me as well I've, I've said this really to you pretty bits. this is this is a real local or local news geek speaking I find it really interesting walking down Fry Street as well when you see the years and years and years of different planning regulations and rules that have, that have <laughs> allowed different types of buildings to be built over the years all next to each other there's some quite astonishing so astonishingly awful decisions next to some absolutely quite beautiful buildings. Um, yeah, just oh, councils, councils of years gone yeah. by. <laughs> just um, astonishingly poor thought. But there we go. Um, but at the but time, do you think? Probably... Do you think we'll look at things that are built have been built in recent years? So I'm looking out the window now, and I can see um, the blade, for example. So I think the blade's quite cool. But do you think people in 50 years will look at it and go, what a monstrosity, what did they do to our town centre? Difficult to know, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because they wouldn't have built them at the time and gone, right, well, that looks rubbish, so we'll put that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they obviously thought it was good at the time. It just hasn't, well, was... some of them haven't stood the test of the time. What I was wondering the other day is when, um, you know, the Medeski Stadium, the Medeski Stadium was one of one of the first new stadiums to be built at that time. When will the Medeski Stadium become kind of old fashioned and need replacing? In that we're getting, <laughs> you know, everyone a lot of clubs are now building new stadiums now, like Tottenham. And when will the Medeski Stadium become outdated and a thing of the past? I think it's got a long way to go yet. I would say. I would. I think the Tottenham yeah, one's crazy. Hasn't it got like retractable floors and yeah, all sorts of like things. Car parking underneath it and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. um, Do you remember when they put the retractable roof in at Wimbledon, and then that was like, whoa, that was Christ. incredible. And now it's moved moved on a bit since then. Um. Right, shall we move on? We've got a we've got a chat with Pete um, coming up, um, so we'll call that a day for part one. I, I guess the, the the main thing, the main question to leave that with is, do you think Reading's beautiful? Um, here's Pete Wheeler talking about Ready Pop. 
The Big Interview Hi everyone, uh, I am here with Pete Wheeler. Hello Pete. Hi there Tom, how are you doing? I'm not so bad. Uh, regular listeners will know Pete is Mr. Ready Pop. Um, and I believe Pete, you had a rather successful weekend, is that fair to say? We did, yeah. Yeah, so we, we held the uh, the virtual Ready Pop Festival yep. in place of the actual one and uh, under the circumstances and we were extremely happy with how it went. How, um, what, was the, what was the format? How did it go? So basically it was a, well, suppose, originally it was billed as a three hour show. So a broadcast where we just collected together lots of different uh, sets from people and uh, we're arranging live performances and also some workshops in a cookery class. Oh, nice. And put, yep. them, all, put them all together and played it like a, like a live TV show uh, with a live host, which was myself. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw, but I, I didn't get everything right. It may surprise you, but there, were, there was a classic um, at the end, which I may or may not talk about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was basically done with live hosting and we were p- putting it all together as we went. But we knew in the run up to it that three hours was not enough. Yeah, we ended it to three and a half hours, and it actually ended up being three hours forty-five. But uh, <laughs> not far off. Um, I, I, I come to this with a little bit of experience. Um, I, I did one for my own for my own beer festival in, ah, in yes. Bracknell um, several, probably about two months ago now, and and we had everything set up, and we thought, okay, this we thought we'll raise some money for the rugby club where we normally hold the festival, and we had it all set up, and and it went from being about a four hour thing, and it I think we ended up doing about seven hours, of and and one of the <laughs> one of the bigger problems that we had more than anything was that. The, the technical ability required to run the thing was 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 there, but yeah. with everybody in different parts of the country and, and, and some people helping us from outside, yeah. um, when something went wrong, you couldn't just have someone over your shoulder just going, "I'll oh, do that, do that." So everything that was set up on the on the, the the day before was ready to go. Suddenly, something happened, and it and it was so. At certain points, we were caught yeah. talking over that nothing terrible, you know, just talking about how it was going and stuff. But we were caught talking over it. So, um, it was you know, but we we did our very best, and it, and we we raised some money, and and you guys raised some money as well. That's correct. Yes, we were raising money. We were also encouraging people to become Ready Pop friends, uh, yeah. and also um, to buy tickets for next year's festival, and of course, hold on to the ones. They'd already bought for this year, and uh, yeah, we were really happy. We did, we did get some of all of that. Do, is it too early to say how much you raised? That's right. Yeah, we don't know at the moment, and to be honest, it's still part of the ongoing. Um, yeah. As you know, uh, we are still hosting next year's Ready Pop Festival, uh, July the eleventh. Sorry, 9th to the eleventh, and uh, you know, really, this is about sort of almost like a, a, a relaunch for that in a way because. Yeah. That's that's the world we, we are in, but we were actually we, we loved it for what it was, and it did, did actually turn into something special of its own, rather than just being associated with the next year's festival, which we, we didn't actually quite expect that. <laughs> it, it wasn't really until it happened that we realised actually we've got something that's in some ways beyond what the festival was, in terms of all this amazing yeah. content, all, all of the showcasing of the, the local acts, the community bands, alongside some you know some really big names providing great yeah. performances. For us. So yeah, it was. It, it, we're really happy actually with with what it what happened with it all. 
And we'll talk about the sort of the, the content of it in a in a minute or so. But sure. I just wanted to ask you: did did you was there any awareness from you about how people were consuming what you were putting out? Because we found we found it amazing that people were putting it on their TVs. Yeah, no, we were getting uh, we were getting some wonderful tweets and Facebook comments and Instagram stories of people sat in front of their telly, putting <laughs> their telly in the garden, getting big speakers out. Yeah, oh wow! You know, and like sitting there and, and making really fun comments, like about how the catering was a was a lot more bespoke this year, and there's like this <laughs> giant burger in front of a screen, and you know, it was it was great. The, the 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 level of interaction was was fantastic. It really drove us, and and it did kind of adjust what we put where in the festival a little bit, and the yeah. way that we kind of you know t- took it all on really it was it was lovely did you find some things worked better than expected was, was there anything that d- didn't go quite as well as you planned um i think it was a mix i mean obviously some things some of the material that we had uh re- arrived extremely close to the time <laughs> that it was going to be going out um so that was uh, that was a challenge um, but I do think that really everyone stepped up, you know, everyone from the, from the local acts to the, to the bigger acts provided us with something. And the, the thing I was really happy with was Badly Drawn Boy, obviously household name, you know, a, a big act, new album, a lot going on. And he gave us, you know, a, a unique half an hour set. He wrote Ready Pop on a big board behind him. He was constantly talking about it. Um, and really funny between songs, um, and uh, it's sort of engaging with the audience that wasn't there, if you know yeah. what I mean. He's obviously, uh, the great thing is, you know, a few of these people have done a couple of these kind of uh, festivals or, or events already. And so I feel as if we were quite lucky in the timing of knowing that people started to sort of master their technology, let's say, and, and give us really quality yeah. content, which is which was wonderful. I know um, you had a you had a fairly bespoke set at the end as well from from a fella called Beardy oh, yes, Man. Yes, we did. Yeah, um, that's right. So I wanted to just ask you a little bit about that. Now, um, sure. for, for people who don't know, and and I must admit, I am one of them. Um, who yeah. is Beardy Man, and, and how is he involved with with Ready Pop? Okay, so Beardy Man is someone who I would say about. 12, 13 years ago, um, really broke through as one of the ultimate festival acts, really, because he's an incredibly talented human beatboxer, but he does stuff with his voice that really is beyond just, you know, those guys in, in uh, Camden uh, outside the tube, like kind of like making yeah. like, sort of squelchy noises. There's, he can do incredible things. And then what he did was to then build that more uh, by using looping techniques as well and, and kind of sampling his voice and then playing it as an instrument and he creates these songs and sets as he goes um and that's exactly why he headlined ready pop festival Mm. in 2017 and on the main stage and so in the few days running up to that um he took requests for song names uh via our facebook wall for for his set so you know so there were songs that were named after things that had been mentioned some were silly some were relevant you know all sorts going on and we wanted to we wanted to capture that as part of our fifth and fifth birthday celebrations was to capture what made that special and bring it to the large audience that we now have for Ready Park Festival. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So he was taking tweets from people, again, some very random suggestions and some quite random sounds. He also accepted some sounds and ideas from us as well. And that kind of created this unique experience that he gave to us. And it was, it was an hour in the end and we yeah. actually put the full set up on our, <laughs> on our site because we, uh, we couldn't fit it all in. Yeah. Um, 
but it was it was really fantastic really off the wall but really really enjoyable am i right in thinking that one of the one of the sounds in particular was quite a well-known one from the high street of old <laughs> yes indeed it was yes it did involve a certain uh, donut store <laughs> that we all know and love with uh, the lovely hot and fresh donuts so yeah we we, we we may possibly have planted that one his way for obvious reasons uh, we also got a wonderful ending track from him uh, based around the ready pop um motto which is music's changing lives and it was actually it's a bit of a house banger if uh, if you do get a chance to go back and listen it's about five six minutes at the end of the uh, of his set and at the end of the festival and it's just it just shows you how uh, how inventive and creative the guy is it's, it's really fun I, I mean, I, I presume kind of it's, it's, it's sort of any plan to do more sort of virtual stuff from this point on. I mean, we are all buzzing from this, yeah. from the response we got, from how much fun it was to do. I mean, we had five of us in the uh, in the Ready Pop Studios making it happen on the day, doing all the different bits for it to go out live, and we we loved it. And uh, so I think there's definitely a feeling that we will do more but i think like everyone at the moment we're gauging where things are going and uh, obviously we are we're focused on making sure the next year's festival is going to be as as fantastic as it can possibly be um but this is a lovely way to to start in that we obviously missed out on a couple of headliners didn't we i think based on um just just looking at the the two different uh the two different events um do do you think they'll they'll likely turn up next year or, or will it be you starting afresh next year no, we, to the most part, we've invited everyone back and uh, no one has said no yet. But there are people that we obviously, you know, they're the bigger names, especially where we, we've got to get that all contracted and, and make sure everything is, is in, a, in a position that they can. Some of the actual able to just go back. Yeah, great. We'll see you next yeah. year. No problem. For others, you're talking logistics of a whole tour. Sugar Hill yeah. Gang, for example, who obviously we we're, we're waiting and, and and hoping very much will be able to be confirmed but you know they, they come over from the united states for the summer and they have an entire entire route planned and we just have to have to hope that we can fit into that but you know we we, we do this we do this every year and whatever we if we do it's a long way we'll, we'll make sure that this for this year and we already we we already had other acts that we hadn't announced yet, that we and some that we hadn't even booked yet. So there is definitely going to be something special too. They won't just be oh that looks like last year's lineup. But yeah. it'll be there's a lot <laughs> of last year's lineup. There's some other stuff I didn't yeah. expect, which I'm really excited about. So, it sounds like we can probably expect a bumper, uh, a bumper set, a bumper I, group of people next year. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm confident that we'll we'll have something extremely special because the, the support that we've had this year has put us in the position to be able to do next year it is that simple i'm sure everyone realizes that at the moment uh, festivals are are struggling um and that what happened by missing an entire year has affected an awful lot awful lot of festivals this year and so we're extremely um positive but extremely grateful to everyone who has held on to tickets and and we think they deserve something special so we're going to put everything into creating that um, just, just I suppose thinking about kind of festivals themselves, and and maybe maybe a little bit that financial side. Is there, is there a significant kind of loss that that is associated with not being able to put the festival on? Bearing in mind how how kind of how long in advance you probably would have had an idea it wouldn't have been going on. Were you able to mitigate those losses 
Um, I know, you know, because obviously you do have to book things and you do then, and cancelling right. things costs money. So yeah. was there a negative thing for, for Ready Pop itself there? At this moment in time, um, Ready Pop Festival is in a position where thankfully um, most, nearly everyone is, is very understanding and uh, most of the outgoings that have happened, we will still be able to use for that we've already paid deposits for and what have you. But uh, that isn't the case for every single festival and it's yeah. not the case for every single cost. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt that there will be, there will be other costs along the way that aren't recoupable. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, they're in a stronger position. Um, also getting some support um, from the Arts Council as well. Uh, for overall for the work because as a charity it really you know yeah they are certainly affected by uh, a lot of the activities that they normally do cannot take place um having a community um band made up of uh, over 60s uh, they cannot you know assemble together and uh, and sing together weekly like they normally do um that's just one example of the things that they can't do so yeah. there's support going on the festival is part of their activities but by no means not all of it um so yeah there's there's certainly going to be some difficulties um but i think uh, compared to other festivals um not not as bad as a lot of other festivals that's uh, i'm sure that'll be uh, that'll be very heartening for people to hear um, I, th- I think, uh, unless there was, a- oh yes, that was it. Uh, I think you probably thought you got away with. What was the what was the embarrassing moment? I must have missed that. <laughs> I nearly got away with it. Okay, so it was literally the very last thing that happened at the festival uh, before we rolled the credits, and it was me doing a live link, and it was me talking about how everyone was helping music change lives and all these wonderful things, and thanking everyone. And then I do my final sign off, and what do I say? I go, great, and. Um, we will see you next year at Ready Pop Festival 2012. Pete, why did you do that? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. The only thing I can think is I'm a bit of an Olympic geek, and I don't yes. know whether or not I was having some kind of crazy flashback to London 2012, but literally the straight after me and then i just heard everybody in the other room go what and then by the time i corrected myself now over the credits I felt a little bit embarrassed. I had to buy the beers after that, but that's fine. And have you presented before like that? I don't mean like to, no. to just uh, like just in any sort of comparing or anything like that. No, certainly not TV stuff, not since yeah. year old sort of media studies projects, and even those were all recorded. So it's it's not something that I've generally done. I think that's one of the the big things about the virtual festival is we were all, you know. Most of Ready Pop staff are furloughed. A lot of us, the people that were involved, were all doing things that aren't what they normally do. But that was actually genuinely really exciting and, and fun to do. But it did mean that it did make people that aren't, for example, me, who isn't a natural born TV presenter, um, trying to do that. But uh, no, I'm really glad that it, it was the, the smallest of errors in it all. Terrific. Pete, thanks, uh, thanks ever so much for your time. When do we find out more about Ready Pop 2021? Okay, so it's all going to be coming as 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 we find more out. Um, as we say, there are tickets on sale now, um, and they're currently forty two pound fifty for a weekend ticket, and the uh, under thirteens go free with that as well. So, you know, it's still it's worth it for who we've already got, who are the likes of Badly Drawn Boy, Hannah Williams and the Affirmations, um, Stealing Sheep, Nigel Clark from Dodgy, 
um, and many more that have already confirmed for us. That is on the, the Facebook event if you want to take a look. But as soon as we do have more information, we'll be, uh, we'll be putting that out on our socials and no doubt letting you know to, uh, to share the word as well. Oh, indeed, indeed. Pete, thank you ever so much for your time today. I appreciate it. The Big Interview. That was Pete Wheeler uh, of Ready Pop Festival. Nice man. You've, you, you, we've all met, haven't we? We've all met Pete. Yeah. Smashing guys. He's on the podcast every couple of weeks. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Our favourite guest. Whenever we're oh, short yeah. of a guest, I go straight to Pete. There you go, Pete. <laughs> break, the, break the glass marked Pete. <laughs> yes, like a, like an alarm bell. Um, so, yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like that went very well. I did catch a little bit of it at the weekend, not as much as I would have liked, but it, it did seem to go very well. Um, hopefully we'll find out how much money they raise very soon. In the meantime, it's time for the random question. The random question. Um, random question time. Uh, who's got the mug? You have. Yay, as always, because we haven't seen <laughs> each other. Uh, although I have seen Hugh, but, you know, shh, don't tell anyone. <gasps> um, okay, this week's random question is... Oh, good one. One thing from lockdown you're going to keep. Oh. What? I'm going to keep... Living a little bit more slowly. Yeah. Which I've said that very slowly. Yeah, I was going to say, does well. that speaking slowly? <laughs> I think that, yeah. Rach, Rach, do you think that that slows down time? I'm going slow It's not, it's just annoying. Well, I just, it had gotten to a point where I just felt like I needed to pack so much in to my life all the time and was just dashing here there everywhere and i'd sort of get to the end of the day and be absolutely exhausted and rich would be like well just don't do so many things good point like yeah but i'd, I'd like doing the things but it was all a bit too much yeah um it's so back. living at a slower pace has been quite quite nice yeah um, oh sorry hang on a sec <laughs> really i know rach is going deep and he's got, we can't even see that he's gone. He could have just gone and we'd have never known. Oh, I'm not cutting this bit out. <laughs> so rude. Rach, carry on. I think I was done, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I'm going to keep. Li- living at a slower pace and eating together, all three of us, yeah. in the evenings has been really nice as well. Because normally... Zach has to eat on his own and then we eat later on when Rich gets in from yes. work. So that's been nice. Oh, that's nice. So more family dinners. And what roughly, about you? Roughly how long do you think you're going to kick, stick to that? <laughs> um, a week, maybe? Fingers crossed. At least. Um, I think mine's more, more about something that I wish I'd done more of. Um, and oh. it's, it's, it's based on the fact that um, my wife sitting direct diagonally opposite me says, you really should make time for lunch more. And she's oh. right. She's right. Cause I just sit here 
if I have a sandwich, I sit here and, and I'm on, I have a sandwich. But I, you know, I, part of that as well was like going out for a walk. We discussed walking in this podcast and I'd have, I'd like to just, but I don't have that mindset. When lunchtime comes around, I just want to sit in front of my computer and read something. And it's not, it's not good. So it's sort of it's more of a, it's not necessarily what I'd like to keep. It's more of a, what I wish I'd done and could. So it's keep. not you're so busy. You can't leave your machine. Not, so you can't no, not, uh, yeah, it's more of the latter. Okay. Let's just but clarify it's, that. But some days are busy, but you know, we all have busy days. Some days you just can't, but yeah, yeah, you know, more time for lunch. Um, I think also I'm going to keep ordering beer online. <laughs> Support local. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Doing your bit. You, what about you if you're back? We don't know. We can't see you. I'm here. Yay. Oh, you, uh, you, got, you got a glare. You got a, you got a very hard stare from Rach. When you, uh, uh, it's true, but I also get a very hard stare from Rachel if the doorbell goes off as well. So I, <laughs> you see me do that? I can't. Dear, it does. I it can't. Breaks this me. is a, I can't this is a uh, impossible situation. So, <laughs> so Hugh, what would you keep from lockdown? Walking. Oh, we talked walking. about this earlier on. Yeah. Um, I go for a walk pretty much every day now. I'm yeah. a little bit obsessed with the amount of steps I do. Um, yeah. Now that um, I'm confined to home, I can I have regular walks up and down the garden um, for, just to get away from the computer. But then I go out after I finish work as well. Um, I'm so, I'm sorry. You said now you're confined to home. I thought I thought you were always confined to home. I know. Yeah. Aside from the office. Yes. Uh, now I don't have to go into. I don't have the. Uh, you know, going for a quick walk around town for at lunchtime. Yeah. Um, Are you going for your I, ten thousand, Hugh? Yeah, ten thousand. Yeah. Um, I'm about to in August. I'm going to put it up to a whopping eleven thousand. Um, that is quite far. It's further than you'd it's think. Way, it's like yeah, it's three and a half a few miles. miles. You just yeah. um just 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 to finish up, what do you measure your steps on? I've got an app. Ah, uh, what app? Um, it's called Steps app. Uh-huh. Obviously, it took a long time <laughs> to think. Took a long time to think of that one. Um, I say it sounds like a tragedy. It's not the Steps fan club. No. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. I found a walk now, which is almost exactly eleven thousand steps. Um, and it's uh, it was at the start of lockdown. It was nice walking around because you could just walk down the middle, pretty much walk yeah. down the middle of the road. Yeah. And uh, but now you can't. So a lot of the walks I've been doing, I've had to stop because there's, there's now a lot of cars on them. And um, but I found this one, which is through various woodlands, and then ended at Kidmore End Cricket Ground, which is a very nice place. Oh, great. Um, and then, and then back again, and that's that does all my steps. What's really annoying is when you go for a walk, aiming to do all your steps in one go, and come back and then look at the app and realise you're about fifteen hundred short, um, which has occasionally led to me walking yeah. up and down the landing at home <laughs> to try to, <laughs> and about ten o'clock at night because I haven't hit my target, which is a bit, which is a bit mad but um shows i care um, but that's yeah, what i should day definitely last week, one day last week i did a 194 steps wow <laughs> i know that's and i actually i felt really sluggish at the end of the day i wow. felt bad hmm. It's. I think sometimes these things are great when you can. When you can, like, it's like just looking at the stats. When you can, 
I'm tired because I've only, I've only, I feel crap because I could, I've only done 194 steps. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what did that, yeah. Just out of interest, what did that involve? Can you remember? Oh, well, not very much, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> in my defence, I probably did a few more steps than that. I don't carry my phone with me every moment when I'm home. So I, I'd like to think perhaps it was double that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just forget to take it with you on a five-mile hike? Uh, sadly not. <sighs> no. But the one we did at the weekend that I was talking about earlier, the Whitnam Clumps one, that was about... 13,000 steps, I think, we did that day, um, which is, you know, not that impressive for an adult particularly, but the fact that Zach achieved that at four years old, I thought that was quite good. Somebody once said to me they should be able to walk a mile for every year of their age, so I reckon he probably did about four miles, so happy with that. How long is that supposed to last? Well, yeah, you should be up to... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we supposed to be right? I'm going to say what I should be up to. Yeah. I definitely couldn't could not walk my age easily. <laughs> if someone if someone held a gun to my head and said you have to walk 38 miles, I might um I'm not, I don't, you probably do it. That would take more than a day. It would. It? Yeah, it would. <laughs> right guys, we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for your time this week. Have you had a lovely time, Rachel? Thank you. Over two spells. I've had a lovely time. Thank what about you, you Hugh? Much. Yes. yes, I do enjoy our little chats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in the meantime, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. As I said, that is quite enough for this week. We've had food waste, we've had uh, speed cameras, and is Reading beautiful? Which I don't, st- I don't still don't think we've answered, but you know, probably is. Um, we're still looking for good people to speak to, someone that'd make a good interviewee on the show. Uh, if you have any suggestions, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Um, if you have a moment, please give us a rating on your podcast app, and if you have time to submit a review, that would be lovely too. And um, we will Tom, be back. From- yes, game on. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Get him all on. right, next week. He'd be a great guest. Next week. Next week, all right? Yeah. Um, can, can I finish? Oh, Ricky Whittle again. <laughs> Matt, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. He doesn't respond to the 35 messages I send him every day. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> There's laws against that, Hugh. Be careful. <laughs> Hugh, is it all right if I finish? <laughs> Go for it. We'll be back next week for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye. 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 You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast.